Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Fearless Parody Podcast Show. You know, parody doesn't come with a manual. It either does parody a child, preteen, or teenager. In fact, parody is very scary. It can cause every parent out there to be fearful, me included. The goal, the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with information and resources that help you overcome family life struggles difficulties and challenges and to be able to parent fearlessly. So every week we provide information and resources to help grow your parental leadership while growing the leadership of your child, preteen, or teenager. In short, we are here to help you and your children become the best versions of yourselves. So get ready and dive right in to today's episode. All right, moms, dads, parents, and guardians, we're back with the Fearlessly Parody podcast for another awesome episode. And in this episode, I have as my special guest, Allison Lieberman. Allison is a licensed marriage and family therapist, postmortem anxiety expert, a mom of two, and a two-time postpartum anxiety survivor. She is the co-founder of Rooted in Harmony Counseling, a California-based group therapy practice dedicated to helping moms with anxiety, relationships, and parity. So without any further ado, here's Allison Lieberman. Allison, thank you for being on my podcast here today. And I'm glad to have you on because in my podcast, I want to bring out guests that are going to help out my moms and dads. Sometimes I bring out guests that can speak into the lives of fathers and dads and help them be better fathers and dads. Sometimes uh, it's with the moms to to help them out and help them to be the best mothers they can be, and sometimes uh, both. But in this case, we're speaking to mothers. So, Allison, first, before we dive into all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself and and your services. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, So what I do, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I specialize specifically in postpartum anxiety. And I have a counseling practice in California, and we actually just expanded to Ohio as well. So that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So that's very exciting. And in my work and my own personal journey with postpartum anxiety, I've just realized the lack of awareness, the lack of acknowledgement and the lack of treatment options for postpartum in general, but mostly postpartum anxiety. Uh, And so that's sort of why I created my practice. And then I realized that there was so much more that could be necessary out there. So I sort of expanded to a coaching practice as well, coaching new moms. And then also I have a podcast that I just basically put out any information for services for moms that could be helpful. Outstanding. Uh, I'm, I'm big on moms. I've been married to uh, my wife who's a Bob here for, for 27 years and I'm very passionate about supporting her uh you know she's a she's a great mom she 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 loves her 20 something uh 
kids right now because both of them, when I say 20 something, I don't mean 20 kids. <laughs> I was wondering, kids. but I didn't yeah, want to yeah, ask. They're, 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 they're <laughs> in their 20s. Uh, but, you know, she's she, she's just a very loving mom. And, and I think that it's important. And I, in the Royal Ranger Ministry, I, I work with a lot of single parent moms who uh, are tasked for whatever reason in raising. Uh, their children by themselves and, and that is not an easy task whether you're a mom or a dad mm-hmm. but you brought up something when you were introducing yourself you talked about a lack of awareness okay well what what do you mean by lack of awareness and, and what's bringing about this lack of awareness and what can we do to overcome it yeah that's a great question so um it, we have a dsm it's the DSM-5. It's sort of like the the mini Bible for therapists and mental health providers with all of our diagnoses in them. And that's sort of where we look for informative treatment on different clients. And our current DSM, which is what we are operating from, does not have postpartum anxiety in it. Hmm. So to our medical professionals and mental health professionals, it actually is not a diagnosis. So just in that alone, I think is a problem because postpartum anxiety is encompassing of general anxiety, postpartum OCD and postpartum um, PTSD. I blanked on the acronym for a second. So postpartum PTSD is really prevalent because a lot of people have really traumatic birth experiences, whether it's because they almost die or their baby almost dies or something doesn't go to plan. And that is not in our current diagnostic categories. So it's Only, just like there's a void there for yeah. people that experience things like that. For, for yeah. Mom. And postpartum depression is, that is a, an official diagnosis. And I think while it gets a lot of airtime in terms of like, they talk to you about it before you leave the hospital, before you have the baby, after and all of that, there actually aren't a lot of treatment options for it. So like the knowledge that it exists is there, but not the knowledge on how to treat it. So in terms of awareness, when I was initially struggling with postpartum anxiety about four years ago, um, it was the result of my son being premature and being in the NICU. And I didn't, I was already a licensed therapist. I had no idea what I was going through. I didn't understand why I went from always having anxiety. Like it wasn't something that was new to me to like having this extreme anxiety that I had never experienced. And then on top of that, I saw psychiatrists and mental health professionals and general doctors and nobody even mentioned the word postpartum anxiety to me. And I didn't associate what I was experiencing with postpartum depression. So it wasn't until I was pregnant with my daughter that I realized that that was actually what I was experiencing and that there's this whole world of postpartum mental health that I didn't know about. So then I had my daughter the first week of the pandemic and I obviously suffered from postpartum anxiety right there. Wow. Yeah. And when you suffer from any postpartum mental illness, once your chances of suffering from it again, go up just naturally, it's not guaranteed, but it is definitely a higher likelihood. And so I 
had all the same symptoms again, but now we're in this sort of pandemic, which is making it way more higher stakes. And so I've just sort of really honed in on how do we make it so people know, and it's not just quote unquote normal stress that new parents have. And it can happen with dads too. I was wondering about that. Uh, You know, you got somebody that you you love dearly, you love more than you love yourself, and they had a traumatic experience. Uh, your, your wife had a traumatic experience, and, and, and your child is in the in, in the hospital, and, and you're and you're dealing with all of this. You, you, you can't really lean on your wife because hey. She's going through the bill herself, okay? Mm-hmm. Not exactly in a position to to be be able to be supportive here on the other side. And, and definitely can't <laughs> look to the child for support. So you're just kind of you're just kind of out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we could do a whole other episode on the gap in treatment for men postpartum. Um, because they can experience all we, of the same things. We may have to do that. No, no, I'm, I'm totally serious. Uh, when my son was born, uh, we, you know, it was a difficult birth for my wife. And she, she had a C-section, but it got infected. So she was in the hospital. And uh, we knew she was going to be all right and everything. It was just going to be a long road to recovery. Mm-hmm. But then my son had surgery the day he was born. Uh, and then... Uh, it did. I went to the hospital, got him. So I was at home taking care of an infant, and my wife was in the hospital. It was several, a couple of months before she healed enough that she was able to. And so there was the emotional stress of that, of being a mom and not being the mom that she envisioned herself to be with our, our son. And here I am. I'm, I'm caretaker to my wife, nurse, and then at the same time, I'm, I'm sitting up here taking care of our, our infant child. So uh, we, we smile and we laugh about that, but that might not be a bad idea to talk about that uh, to, as to what dads can do. So that may be a good idea for them. Yeah, I would love to do that because I, I just like I don't think women's postpartum anxiety gets enough airtime. I know for sure men's doesn't. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. And we could definitely spend a whole episode talking about that. <laughs> All right. Well, then that's a must do. I got to ask you, is there, is there a difference when we talk about, uh, well, I hear the phrase baby blues and, and uh, postpartum anxiety. Are we talking about the same thing or is there a difference? They're different. Um, they're different because baby blues are short term. So they shouldn't be okay. lasting more than two to three weeks after you have baby. And they're usually a hormonal shift, maybe a little bit of an adjustment period, like to just the demands and the sleep deprivation okay. and all of that. Okay. But usually after two to three weeks, it starts to level out and get better. If it doesn't, then you're looking at a postpartum depression, anxiety situation. All right. And uh, so for this temporary stage, this baby blues stage, how how can mothers best work through that particular stage? Yeah, I think, you know, it's sort of 
it, it kind of contributes to the other pieces of postpartum mental health in general, but really just taking care of yourself, even though it sounds so simple and maybe not doable, you know, giving yourself the rest. You do not have to entertain people who want to see the baby. That's not mandatory, even though people may make you feel that way. Um, if you don't want people to come see your baby for the few, first few weeks so you can adjust and get used to it, great. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable with people coming to your house so that you can go rest, that's great too. I know that like I would have people come to my house and they'd be like, go lay down and rest. And I'd be like, if he cries, like I'm running out here. Obviously, that was a bigger issue as we got more into it. But like, you know, pay attention to what actually is helpful what actually helps you recharge, what it is that you actually need and not what other people are telling you. And I think the other piece of it too is like when we think about it and what the message is that's being portrayed to us, we are supposed to leave the hospital after a day or two if we have just like a natural birth, no C-section or any trauma, right? And then we go home and like, we're supposed to be in tip top shape in six weeks. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the timeline that's given to us. And so we think that after three weeks, we should be halfway there. And the truth is it, it takes almost a year for your body to really adjust back to whatever it is that this new norm is for you. Now, Allison, I'm a man, but you know, and I'm speaking logically. If I'm speaking out of turn, call me on it. If it took nine months to bring a child to full term and, and then deliver a child, that those are physical changes that occurred overnight, but it would seem to me that it's going to take some time for things to go back to the way that they were before that nine-month period started. And, and that's something I, I think that us – Men focus, dads, we, we need to be cognizant of with, with uh, working with our wife, and I'll, I'll speak to that here in a moment. But I, I don't think that's beyond reason for uh, a, a lady to say, hey, you know, it, it took me a while to get here. It's going to take me a while to, to go back. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I agree with you 95%. All right, okay, well, good, then good. I'm, I'm only 5% up the creek then. The only reason I would say 5% I don't is because it you really don't ever go back, right? Like your body grew okay. a human. So it's not possible to go 100% back to whatever your body and brain Makes and life was, right? Because now you got a new child. And right. you have that experience. Right, it's right. It's not going to be the same again. Got you. Yeah. And like the, the standard in terms of like if you have one baby and you want to have another is like – to wait until you've reached 18 months postpartum. So when you think about that, like doctors don't even think your body's ready to create another human unless you're a year and a half out. So at minimum, you need to give yourself a year and a half to really figure out what this new version of yourself is before you start to like feel bad about yourself. And even then, like, is your reality different than it was before you had a baby? You know, your time is different. If you had three hours to go to the gym every day before you had a baby, you're not going to have that time now. So Mm -hmm. what is the impact on your brain and your body? And how else do you fill that void without taking that time away? So let me ask you now, husbands, what can husbands do to, uh, 
to support and, and stand beside their their wife. I, I know for me with my son, you know, man, I love bouncing my son around and this, that, and the other. And it was a great job. Now, when my daughter was born, let me tell you, I, oh, I was all sorts of nervous. Uh, I spent most of my life working with boys. So having a little girl, that was so totally different for me. I thought I was yeah. going to break her. My, my mother told me, boy, you're not going to break that girl. She, she's not any more breakable than your son was. But I tell you what, the, the more I interacted with her, the, like the nighttime routine, that was my mine and her routine because I would lay her on my chest and, and I put her to sleep that away every night. And I can't even begin to describe what that was like, but there's, there's a, a father daughter connection and uh, that you only have so much time yeah. with them when they're that age that I think, that dads have got to get in there and, and, and mix it up and, and, and uh, take that special time, boy or girl, and, and spend time with them and then give mom a little time over here. Because see, when I was doing that, my wife could be doing something else other than having to take care of a little child. Yeah. Now, now that's just me. But what, what can husbands do to support and stand beside their wives? Great question. I'm going to hop on my soapbox for just one second and then I'll hop back off. But I think like our society sort of trains us that little girls are fragile and women. I learned. No, no, I know. I'm not saying you (laughs) because this plays into how to be supportive. It's, It's little girls are fragile and women are strong. And if they're struggling, they need to keep it to themselves, right? Like that's sort of the message Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. as a woman, I feel like I've gotten most of my life and what I've noticed other women get too, and how men treat us. Right. And the truth is, is that I have a daughter and I've definitely noticed that she is not weak in any way or fragile. She's actually quite strong. And my reactions to her are what either strengthen that or weaken it. Right. And I think that when we're trained that we're weak as children, we hold things in. And so the point of this being just because a new mom looks like she's okay physically or emotionally, it does not mean that she is. We're just not encouraged to talk about it. So being able to say to a new mom, like if it's your partner being able to say like, don't worry, I'll change the baby's diapers. Like you rest, right? You just gave birth just because we're not at the hospital. doesn't mean that you're not recovering still. Right. Or being able to get up for some of those feedings. If the baby is taking a bottle or being able to wake up in the morning and let mom go back to sleep when the baby's fed, right? Like, all of those small things that maybe mom could just do on her own and not ask for. Sometimes we just want someone to offer. So that's one of those things. And the other thing is just to check in, you know, like once a day, maybe it's when you're going to bed is saying like, how are you doing? Like emotionally, like, do you need anything else from me right now? Can I give you a hug? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) those really small, simple things that we overlook can go a long way because typically moms feel really invisible. Wow. Well, gentlemen, I I hope that you, you hear that. And this is why I have, you know, guests like Allie come on. Uh, She's 
she, she's talking to us about things that we need to be cognizant of both as dads and moms. And uh, I hope that you moms out there and you dads will take advantage of this opportunity to reach out to Allie uh, and ask questions. Uh, Allie, now I, I'm guessing here, but I think that I'm right that there's no silly questions. So if you, if you ask her a question, She's going to answer your question, and that, that question may take you well down the road to to helping you out and making your life a whole lot easier. So reach out, moms and dads. You're not in this alone. Uh, I don't think God meant for us to have to parent alone, that there are resources out there, and Allie is a resource. Matter of fact, Allie? Tell them how they can find you so that they can take advantage of the resources and information that you have out there for them. Yeah. So my counseling practice, our website is www.rihcounseling.com. And I'm on Instagram at the new mama mentor. And the podcast is also the new mama mentor podcast. All right. The new mama mentor. Okay. So, Hey, you new mamas out there, you've got a mentor. We're going to have these links in the podcast description. Check it out. You'll be able to click and go to the New Mama podcast where you can find answers and resources that are going to help you new moms and your new dads out, out there. So that's the end of this segment. We're going to have Allie back for one more segment. So until that time, God bless. We're out at 22.22. And we'll get started back up here one more time. And um, <clears throat> going to talk about mental health. Okay. And if there was anything that I brought you out here for today, particularly with what you hear going on uh, out there about the importance of mental health. And I can tell you as a law enforcement professional, uh, 
there there's a lot of problems with with it. It's misdiagnosed, but you know, it's to talk about these intrusive thoughts and how moms are making space for themselves and, and how moms can advocate for themselves. This is kind of what to dive into here in this next segment. Okay. All right. So we'll get started. <clears throat> and okay. Here's a few things to Alexa, stop. Okay. If you want this, Alexa, stop. Didn't turn it. Didn't turn her off before we started here. So here we go. <laughs> so three, nosy. Yeah, I know. In three, two. One. Well, that concludes another awesome episode. Please, please check out the podcast description where you'll find links to family and parenting resources. And I want to thank you, moms, dads, and guardians, for listening to today's Fearless Parenting Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and that it added value to you and your family. And I want to leave you with something that was what said by two-time Nobel Prize recipient Marie Curie, who once said that nothing in life is to be feared. It's only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. That is why we have this show, to help you understand more about parenting so that you can fear less. So I want to challenge you like I always do, to go forth and fearlessly parent. God bless.